Welcome to the Black Hat Chat podcast with Lee Johnson and Reverend Kai, a weekly show about living as a modern crafter where two witches discuss a variety of topics concerning magic and witchcraft. You can also catch us live on Fridays on YouTube. The links are in the description of the podcast or in the about section. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea and let's begin. afternoon, good evening, and good night, good people around the world. This is the Black Hat Chat, collaboration between myself, Lee, and Rev Kai. <laughs> Just two witches that get together every Friday around the proverbial kitchen table and talk about that and ramble, because we're very good at that. Yes. If you have not checked out the link in the description, the link tree for Black Hat Chat, please go and do so. You will find all of our links there to Patreon and Ko-fi, uh, where we do What's on the Telly, which is a review of TV series and movies twice a month. And you'll also find the Wildwood Temple, which is our community. You can go join. Um, we're on the Discord server and on Facebook group. Right, and if you uh, would like to see everything in the chat, switch over to live chat. You, it defaults to top chat, which tends to filter some stuff out sometimes. So just switch over to the live chat, and uh, if you'd like to support us on this chat, give us a thumbs up, and if you can share to anybody so they can come along and watch as well, that would be great. And much as much much as participations in the chat is fantastic, we like that bit. Yeah. All right. So today yes. is sigils. Sigils. And this is a, a chat where you may want to share links to sigils you found on the web or, you know, creations, that sort of thing, because they're very visual. Um, you cannot share links directly in the YouTube chat, but you can share them in our Discord server. Um, so if you go into our Discord server and go to the discussion under Black Hat Chat, that channel, if you're... Um, member of the temple you should be able to get to it um, please just share your links in there and that way we will be able to get to them and share them during the live chat so everyone can see uh, if it's appropriate yes uh, I'm just going to switch over to there quickly just in case anything comes through and I should know all right so See, we're talking about that. There was a comment, comment question. Um, just find it quickly. It was, uh, just be careful not to draw other people's sigils. So this is something that comes up occasionally. And I think the main reason is that there are some people out there who create sigils for a particular purpose and throw them on the internet and advertise them as something different. So other people go and use them, um, which then, you know, is a bit unethical. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. However, 
uh, there's there's a stopgap for that. Check your sigils before you use someone else's. Um, you can't deconstruct them. I see a lot of people will find um, symbols that may be sigils. Sometimes they quite clearly are, sometimes they're not, and post them in groups and say, what does this mean? Mm. And um, it's difficult to work backwards, but you can always use the um, multiple divination methods for, is this true? Is this... Um, dangerous um, and is this thievery um, there's a lot of uh, old old divination methods that ask is this thievery and the the deception kind of uh, substituting one sigil and saying it's something else that Lee was describing fits that definition of thievery it is somehow bearing false witness it is somehow tricking someone and so using those divination methods, and there, there's lots and lots and lots and lots of them, um, on a sigil to find out if it is what it says it is, is the easiest check method for dealing with that. Um, because, you know, part of, part of the point of creating a sigil is a sort of obfuscation of the original message. I mean, that's part of the way they work and how they work. So... You can't really undo that bit because then it is no longer an effective sigil. Whether you're successful or not, you've broken it. So using that divination that says, is this thievery, is this true, I, I find to be the easiest way to deal with that. Because I use other people's sigils all the time. Um, I have, you know, we're talking about, but I have a whole... Uh, notebook of sigils and like these all these colorful ones these are all other people's sigils that I've liked printed off put in my notebook I don't do just that in addition to my handwriting if the you know thing will pick it up so but I do use other people's sigils all the time and I just I check them yeah I do comparison to talk to Glamoury mm-hmm yeah and Megan said, hey, hello, Megan. How are hello, you doing? Hello. Glad to see you here. I didn't say hello to everybody else, actually. Hang on, let me backtrack here quickly. Hello, Lady Yolandi, Richard, People's Library, and Lou, and Megan. Hello, hello. Thank you Glad all you for join us. joining us this morning, afternoon, evening. <laughs> <laughs> night. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's up in the middle of the night for our show, but perhaps... Who knows? Well, Somebody's watching somewhere at some time in the future or the past or because time's not real. Good point. Good point. <laughs> it is Friday yeah. the 13th in our Time's Not Real, though. Oh, yeah. So, what a well, wonderful time to be doing worldwide collective magic, huh? Mm. Friday the 13th during Mercury Retrograde on the computer. Yeah, yeah. I got yeah. my charms. Could be interesting. <laughs> but Jupiter has moved into Aries and out of Pisces or um, across the veil, out of that cadence sign and into something cardinal. And oh my word, thank the gods. <laughs> those last degrees of those 
those uh, cadence signs can be uh, rough. <laughs> like <laughs> dragging the last of the boxes when you're moving or something. Just you want it to be over. <laughs> uh, Lisa, it sounds like a recipe for disaster. Depends. There's some good bits and there's some bad bits. <laughs> yeah. Depends how you mix it. It's an intense time, as the astrology has been for the last two years and will be for another year and a half. It's intense. Mm -hmm. I think everybody, everybody is aware of that. And um, I've seen lots of people suddenly coming to astrology because of the the epic times we are living in. So. <laughs> said hello all looking forward to this hi glad you could join us uh lady Capella said thank the gods on pisces um you know, said friday the 13th is usually a lucky day for me yeah it is a lucky day yeah i find it to oh. be a lucky day andy good day yeah all right, back to sigils. So, so sigils. Creation. Yeah. What What does everyone want to know? Yeah. Uh, what are your questions we're, we're, about sigils? Where should we we'll start do here? Our, we'll do our normal rambling thing, but if you've got, do you know, let us know your questions and if anything's not clear in the chat, and we'll just carry on rambling anyway. Yeah. All right. Um, how many? We're good at that. How many people here work with sigils? Do you work with other people's sigils? Do you just make your own? Um, do you have a favorite method? Do you use multiple methods? There, there's a few questions. Just a few as I ramble through. Just a few. <laughs> there was, there's actually a really good TikTok channel. Uh, I'm going to try and talk and look at it for, for it at the same time. <laughs> All they do is sigils. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was just trying to figure out how to use TikTok. <laughs> Following. There we go. Um, okay, so why do we use sigils? Oh, there's, a, there's always that big question of, um, you know, in a lot of chaos magic, we forget and destroy. Hmm. Whereas other forms of sigil magic, they don't. They keep them around. I use both methods. Yeah, me too. I have Depends some. How I feel. I have some that um, are fairly permanent, or mm -hmm. um, even after they're activated, I keep them around for some time. And I have some that um, part of the process is the destruction. So, yeah, it depends on mm -hmm. what it is. Um, and also, I group bind runes into a lot of my sigillic magic and Icelandic magical staves and all of the, the Galdra stuff here. They are not all the same thing, but they are similarly related enough that I tend to think of them all in a bunch, just like I think of divination all in a bunch, even though tarot is very different from pendulum, it's very different from throwing the bones and so on and so forth. Mm. So generally talking about activation creation use deployment all of those things you know i have a wide variety of methods that include bind runes and galdra stuff here 
and um, classic sigils and sigils formed from cameos, those sort of things, and Austin Osmond spare techniques. So, so then there's also the um, keys of Solomon, mm. um, especially if you go into the planetary uh, sigils in there. There's actually a lot that look like the arm of all. It's the eight eight spoke. The Galdra stuff here. Yeah, there's a lot of relation between the uh, Galdra stuff here and the Goetic seals. And those traditions are um, closely influencing one another and intertwining through history. Mm. Let's see. Lady Capera said she has a question. What's your question? Uh, What's your question? Yolandi says, I've made my own once or twice. And Lady Capera says, I use Egyptian cartouche sigils. Yeah, that's another mm -hmm. style. And Benaruna sigils. Mm -hmm. uh, People's Library said, any thoughts about using runes as sigils or to create sigils? Yes. I... I've, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm in two minds about that, actually. Um, one, they form fantastic sigils. But I think if somebody doesn't really understand rune magic properly, um, they can combine runes which don't quite go together. Yeah. And then they have a bit of a problem. Yeah. So combining several runes is, is making bind runes, or bindronar. Um, mm. And it is definitely uh, an attested historical practice. Um, we have plenty of artifacts uh, with bind runes on them where the best explanation is that it's magical. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's logical to assume that's what's going on. And in modern magic, the a lot of people, the lines between bind runes and sigils do blur. But as Lee said, um, there is uh, there's something to watch out for if you're not real sure what you're doing with the runes or you're not very familiar with them. Um, being a runic master in Erelaz was a, a lifetime skill back in the days when it was deployed regularly. And, you know, no one would become an Erelaz when they were young because it just took so much time and so much study and so much practice to learn the runes well and learn how to uh, risk them well and deploy them so um i was yes absolutely they're they're very powerful tools in sigilic magic but it's a whole other skill set to learn the runes and how they work in um, an active outgoing manner as opposed to almost all the meanings you will find if you just go looking for runic meanings will be uh, focused on uh, something uh, spay in an ingoing manner like divination and those are not the same thing um, you can't just jump one over to the other uh, so be cautious of that uh, not to to steer anyone away from it but you know um, I think it's uh, Egil Saga, where Egil Skallagrimson, you know, 
comes to visit a family and one of their children is ailing and he goes and examines them and finds a, a binder and stick under the bed that was put there by someone to cure them. And he's like, oh, well, they screwed the runes up. They wrote it wrong. And he scratches the runes off that are wrong and kind of corrects it and the problem goes away. Uh, the kid in the bed heals, you know. So um, even back in, you know, the sagas, they're talking about, don't mess this up. <laughs> you know, pay attention to what you're doing. You have to know what you're doing because um, the wrong combinations of things can express something you don't want. You can't just, like, dump every good rune in the pile um, and not pay attention to what happens when they are combined. And, and like Lee said, they combine so easily because, the, you know, they're, they're drawn out of the web of weird. They're all within a certain format, so it's very easily to combine the forms. But you have to pay very close attention to what emerges when you combine those forms because mm -hmm. um, there's lots of things in there. And, like, if you end up with Hagal, the mother rune, that contains all forms, you know, there's that that is going to come through in your magic, whether you want it to or not, whether it was part of your intention or not. So, there we go. Rambling about bind runes a bit. Um, I did find the TikTok channel is interested. TikTok. I don't know why it took me so long because it's called the Sigil Magician. Um, <laughs> so it's at the Sigil Magician. There we go. If anybody's interested in following that, I like I like the Sigils. They're very arty. Um. Okay. Lady Clara asked difference between Hyper Sigils versus Quantum or Sonic Sigils. I actually haven't heard of quantum or sonic sigils, to be honest. I haven't either. Um, I have heard people describe song sigils, where mm. they weave um, double poetry, like I think it's the Welsh tradition of the Nine poem, and that sort of thing, into songs, and use those as sigils. Um, Wouldn't that be a form of hypersigil anyway? Because hypersigil is creation of uh, artwork. I would. I know people who do stage performances and yeah, hypersigils. I I would think that would fall under the the bigger umbrella of hypersigils. You mm. know, and you know when we start thinking about that and the opening of all of the sigilic ideas, it. It's um, fractal and holographic. Uh, that's part of the reason sigils work. Um, so it's very hard to start separating out this is this and this is that and this is this and so on and so forth because um, it's all interconnected. It's all related. I think the big thing that makes it a sigil, whether we're talking hyper sigils or, you know, drawn on paper, is the the obfuscation to a certain degree it doesn't have to be complete obfuscation but it's embedded it's you know within kind of thing it it's not what you glance at and you see first thing 
I just curious, would the quantum or sonic sigils be when you, um, you know, people are putting salt on a metal plate and then they're actually um, putting sonic frequencies mm. through that, which actually creates a pattern. That would be interesting, because I know there's one frequency that actually makes the Kamea of the moon, which is fascinating. Mm. You know? Now, now I've... Yeah, now I've got to go find it. <laughs> now I want to do all that and line all that up and see how that correlates with the frequencies used in binaural beats and its effects on the brain. <laughs> and how that matches to... Well, that was everything. my sixth my sixth study for each day. <laughs> I was just saying yesterday. Oh my! I'm reading oh like four books at, a, at, the, <laughs> at the same time at the moment. I've got another one today. Yeah, I don't um, think there's been a book on that. We could maybe write well, one. Could do. Yeah, gonna have to go explore in, that one. In all of our free time. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To sleep two hours less again. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But time is not real, so who cares? Uh, oh, um, man. Deborah said good afternoon, everyone. Hello, Deborah. Hello. I remember back in the day when I used to work at night so that I could be on time sync with you and didn't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> was, I was much younger then and my body could handle that. I don't know about these days. <laughs> Landister <laughs> asked uh, I make my own the way Lee explains it in his video the problem is that I come up with more than one design how do you choose the right one uh, the only right one is the one that feels the best and there are no wrong ones mm. There are sometimes wrong ones. There, I suppose the wrong ones could be the ones that you really don't like. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know gonna... which method we're talking about here, but um, I think as we go through the process, we're going to actually make some sigils together today. That's that's our workshop thing we're doing. Um, we'll talk about reasons you would eliminate certain things, and move forward with other decisions uh, a lot of it can be very intuitive but there are some um, some considerations and it's more about making informed choices about what you want out of the sigil instead of this is always wrong or this is always right but you know this kind of direction will lead you this way and this kind of direction will lead you that way so well i mean i do get some people um, ask me if this sigil is correct. Mm. I can't answer that for anybody because if it feels right for you, then it's the one to use. But other than that, if it, if it doesn't feel right, it's obviously not going to work because you're going to reject it. Um, sorry. Well, in, unless it's meant to be um, a sigil for something that you're struggling to accept. You know, then you're mm. the right one is going to be the one that you have the strongest aversion to. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> mm. it, it really depends on what your goal is, because the Jillic magic is a a compilation of techniques to achieve 
any goal you want really that's i think that's why it's so popular and why everyone loves it because it is infinitely adaptable to pretty much any goal um and we're talking you know the whole overarching including hyper sigils and everything else um so knowing where to make those choices along the path and the process of sigillic creation i think is uh excellent to have that in your toolbox because you never know what you're going to want to do. <laughs> uh, Lady Cabrera said, I believe that the Art of Futar is its own problem solution matrix. Mm. Yeah. Because it encompasses it's a, it's the entire cosmos. Yeah. Uh, Studio Noir, I greet you all. Hello. We greet you back. Thanks for joining us doing? today. Yep. Uh, la, 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 oops, wait, it skipped. Hang on. Grace Yellow, Thomas Carlson's uh, Night Side of the Runes and Stephen Flowers' Galdra book uh, seem to get recommended often. Have you any other recommendations uh, for rune magic? Or... For rune magic, I would recommend Diana Paxson's Taking Up the Runes. Don't know that yeah. I would recommend Stephen Flowers. Um, um, I wouldn't recommend Thomas Carlson's. I've just started reading it as well, and it, it does go into it very much borders on the um, uh, it's gone. What's the word? Racist. Racist. That, that's the problem with Stephen Flowers too, um, and mm. it is by and large a massive problem, especially in runic magic. Um, a lot of the runic magic ideas come out of Guido von Liszt, who was famously working for the Nazis and um, had there's tons of Nazi ideology injected into it. So um, it's an even more minefield area of heathenry than just general heathenry. Um, and there's not a ton out there that isn't influenced by the modern ideas of Guido von Liszt. Um, it's just, it's not out there. You have to go further mm. back. You have to go back to the original rune poems back in the um, 9th, 13th, 16th centuries and those sort of things. Uh, but perhaps we should just do a whole show on bind runes uh, because um, I could talk for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> about that with lots and lots of extra visuals and history and stuff so um we want to stick to sigils today hopefully theoretically mm. <laughs> we're going to stay on topic in our our two hour max window here um so um it is it is taking up the runes i've got the book yeah taking up the runes by diana paxson that is one i can mm. um well i don't i don't practice runic divination um for a variety of personal reasons and that book is uh, primarily about that it is a book i can actually recommend that is not full of racist bullshit and um, is not going to lead you astray even though it's not necessarily something i personally practice um, but it's it's hard to find good runic books because of the problem that the vast majority of runic magic stuff is sourced from guido von list and that Nazi era. So it's really hard to disentangle. So don't feel mm. bad if you've if you've read crap. Um, because 
it's it's rooted in everything lots of people repeat it and they have no idea because it's nearly the only information out there so mm, i read trap all the time yeah yeah it's out yeah. there and like i said it's it's rife so. mm. uh, lady Chris said interesting that high glass is the mother rune and happens to be number nine outside of Fibonacci sequence and also said ready on device yeah oh radionics oh right okay that was actually something i was looking at recently and didn't get far enough into it um it's using sigils on a radio radionics device yeah um, there's a lot of rabbit holes today this is cool no no <laughs> uh, i remember trying to go into radionics years ago and started building a machine and then didn't go very far with it and i recently had a look at it again but you know squirrels yeah yeah there's so there's shiny things so much distract me magic is just massive just massive just uh, massive. the people's library how do you guys usually charge sigils oh um, man sex magic sex magic is my favorite and just the default go-to. Uh, breathing, uh, fire breathing is breathing. good. Yeah, breathing and meditation. Uh, I actually show. I'm sure I showed it on my YouTube channel. I've got one where I actually draw a circle around the sigil and constantly mm. go around. And it's great because, especially if you use a ballpoint pen, because you get that sound that then it creates a rhythm mm -hmm. and your hand kind of passes over the sigil and then it peers again so you get a flapping as well yeah uh, I, I, I like that myself so. i used to do one very similar to that you know that old um spinny game where there's a bird on one side and a cage on the other in a little disc and you spin it until you see the bird mm -hmm. in the cage i've done that with sigils to charge them as a, a trance thing so mm -hmm. that part of the sigil is on each side and only when it's spinning does it come together. And yeah. it's the same thing. It's the seeing it flick in and out. And it's that noise, that rhythmic noise mm -hmm. that goes with it. Uh, so that that's a good one. And that's a good one um, for uh, groups of people to do. But individually, you know, everybody's working mm -hmm. on their own thing. Uh, but the other one I thought of, sound yeah, dancing, um, lots of public ritual I've been to and that sort of thing. We've ended up creating sigils together, putting them in the dirt, sand, whatever around the fire somehow, whether we carve them in or we, we draw them out like Rangoli or something like that. And then everybody dances, um, to charge them up and release them. And of course that involves a destruction process too. But that one works very well. Um, when you have groups of people, doesn't take tons of groups of people, you can incorporate it into treading the mill um, and, and walk over it and into the earth. I've done it by myself also, but it's really nice to have somebody to dance and somebody to play the drums at least. You know. Many, many methods. So the main point is you've got to get to that point where you slip um you go into that into a liminal state and it can mm -hmm. be a split second uh, but you know when it's there and it transfers and then that's such yeah yeah um lou asked where would one get started with sigils 
Well, first of all, this video, this live chat today. <laughs> Secondly, you can check my YouTube channel. I've got a playlist in there. Thirdly, you can go to my website, leewjohnson.com. I've got a course. There you go. Promote myself. Yep. <laughs> you don't do that enough. I don't. <laughs> it said to Lou, watch Lee's YouTube video. Yeah. Uh, Studio Noir said, uh, that's correct. Time is relative and our senses is just an illusion. Yep. 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 That's what we're uh, about around here. <laughs> Time's not real. <laughs> nope. Timey wimey. Um, Deborah said, I'm so glad so you are around. I am learning so much about things I did not know of or knew little about. Yep, that's why we're here. That's why we do this, really. I mean, it's fun. We have fun. Yeah. But, you know, it's nice. I, I, I like teaching people, so. This, honestly, for me, this is how I learned the most about magic, was sitting around mm. the kitchen table with witches who were just chatting about stuff. It was not formal instruction. It was, uh, I mean, I, I read a lot and I study a lot and obviously I love history, but the, the nitty gritty, the, you know, the practical application of magic, of what you really need to think about and all the things you really need to consider, that all came from sitting around a kitchen table. Yep. Very sympathetic, surrealistic magic. Nice, Rev Kai. Waste yellow, I had my suspicions. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is actually difficult, when, especially when you get into the Nordic traditions. Uh, you know, it, so, um, I was talking to Kai about this the other day, and um, they said that people kind of say they are X, Y, and Z, not realizing that they're actually practicing something which is kind of a slightly racist or white supremacist, because that's what they've learned, and they don't know any different because they haven't been exposed to enough. Yeah. And it's it's it gets difficult. Um, we we try to talk as much about it as much as we can on this show, and I do on my channel, which is why I started doing my um, do not read list. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's it's rough. It really is, and it's not like we can make an entire list of all of the bad books because who can read all the books? No, no, we don't really want to read them. Right. If, if somebody says this is a bad book, I'll go check it out and I'll put it on my do not read list if I agree. There you go. So yeah, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go after looking for the bad stuff. <laughs> I I have I have reading lists that I hand out to people who say they're interested in heathenry, you know, and I'm like start here, and it's a good, mm. you know, um, semester worth of intense reading, <laughs> and once you get, um. Once you get to where you've got a good base, you can start to be able to separate the wheat from the chaff. You can sp spot the things, you know, and you have to learn what they are, especially, uh, you know, in heathenry, runic magic, Nazism, all that ideology. You need to actually figure out what it is so you can spot it when it creeps its way where it doesn't belong. 
So there's a lot of study involved, but um, nobody's going to fault you for finding the bad sources first, as long as you keep going, as long as you keep studying, as long as you, you know, keep learning and, and learn how to, to sort them out. Because almost all of us in heathenry have found the bad sources because they're popular and, you know, they're recommended frequently, like you were talking about, so... Most importantly, ask like you did. I I come up I come up uh, I start reading books and I think oh this is great and then I ask Kai about it and they say no. <laughs> <Don't> you... <laughs> Wait till you get to this part, then you'll be like ew. <laughs> yeah. So. It's it's actually it's actually not really a case of don't read it. It's more a case of be aware. Yeah. Of what you're reading. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Have a look, Yolandi said, uh, I'm always hesitant to start studying runes. It looks daunting and complicated. I know what you mean. It can it be is. because you actually, you need to delve into and really understand the entire cosmology, which yeah. is quite in-depth. Well, yeah. runes belong within a heathen worldview. Um, what we might also call an arch-heathen worldview. Um, mm. You know, especially things like Elder Futhark that we don't have... Um, really very many sources for elder futhark is so old that you know we don't have a lot of information about it so you know um it is daunting and complicated i'm not gonna try to <laughs> smooth off the edges because it's an entire worldview and a huge fairly complicated history thanks through revisionism with the Nazi era to dig through and learn about in order to learn about runes. Um, but just because it's it's big doesn't mean it's not fun and enjoyable and highly rewarding. You know, if that's if that's where you feel called, go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Lots of people have found their way to the heathen gods through the doorway of the runes, which is one of their jobs. So, you know, but it it it's a minefield uh take a friend <laughs> grab a guidebook kind of thing so um I, I don't think it does a, any of us any favors to say it's not you know but it's one of those be aware be aware so you can learn what's here and what's there and that sort of thing and um it's not impossible lots and lots of people have made that journey and gone through that and more and more every day we're getting more and more resources that are not full of racist nazi bullshit because more and more people are doing the research and more and more people are are creating and practicing and carrying forward the living faith so it does get better all right i'm going to go through the the comment last few comments here and then i'm going to steer it away from room yeah, we've done. We've talked a lot about runes. <laughs> yeah, but we are going to do a specific show on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds like uh, that would be a good show. Yeah. Uh, who said HTH Squirrel? Yeah, that's me. Um, People's Library, this is the best school for, of magic for me. I learn a lot. I will hopefully become a supporter soon. That's fantastic. Thank you. And uh, Andrew said that book should us. <laughs> on Tuesday, I did. Uh, um, that 
that one I was commenting about. Oh, uh, yeah. Norse, Norse paganism for beginners. It's, yeah, that was... Mm. Horrific. Mm. Uh, People's Library, it's super frustrating to see how Nazis misappropriated the runes. Odin and Seas feel so distant from the hatred Nazis had for queer, queerness and wisdom. Ah, very well said. Yeah. Here, here. Mm. Very well said. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Shall we take a quick break and then come back and actually do a demonstration? <laughs> Already. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, no, yes. I, I'm very glad we we talked about all of these things because I think they're important. Yeah, as well. Very important. Mm. Yeah. Louis. So, sigils. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. We're going to take a quick break, uh, go make some more, more hot chocolate and stuff, and uh, then we'll come back, and Kai is going to draw on the whiteboard. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see you just now. <laughs> Welcome back to the Black Hat Chat. Black Hat Chat? We know where we are. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> Today we are talking about sigils and sigil creation. If you are here for the first half, runes. <laughs> <laughs> we will do a show on runes. Uh, yeah. Yes, we definitely will. Sounds like sounds like that's a, a topic fertile for discussion. So. Oh. Oh, postman's here. Yeah. Postman Pat. Yes. All right. So, runes. Where do we start with runes? We start with with sigils. A... We start. So... Just <laughs> 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 slap Mercury away over there. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Let me. <laughs> sigils. Where do we start with sigils? <laughs> <laughs> We start with our will sentence. Okay. Or our intent. Yeah, so <laughs> there's a lot of different ways to create sigils. A lot. Um, so I think we should go through like three or four of them if we can. So um, we're going to make a sigil here together today. So what do we want to make a sigil for? Since everyone that watches this can use it. Bring abundance. Everybody likes abundance. Financial abundance. Financial abundance? I know I could do with that. There's my lovely handwriting. That won't fit on the screen, apparently. Uh, fix that. There we go. this is all we need because we can just start with symbols that represent these ideas and put them together in a sigil if however we're going because i think a lot of people start with sigil magic and chaos magic mm -hmm. and spare and what we usually find is that it used to be called the will sentence um it is my will or it is my wish um in more modern times we have gotten rid of that 
because to wish for something is not a good thing. To say, um, I wish that tomorrow I have lots of money. Every <laughs> single day, you're wishing for the same thing. So you're wishing that tomorrow you will have lots of money. Tomorrow and never comes. And it just comes. continues that way. Tomorrow never comes. Yeah. So it's better to phrase it in the present. You have it. Um, and always in the positive. Because the subconscious does not, not like negatives. It yeah. ignores them. Um, yeah. So one of those examples uh, that would be a terrible sentence is, I will quit smoking. Mm. Because or it's in I the... I do not smoke. Right. It's in the future, and it uses a negation. Um, I know a lot of times we just talk about avoiding the words no and not, but you have to think about uh, negation actions also. Uh so quit is a negation action. You want to focus on a, a increase or a positive action because sigils are designed often to bring something into manifestation. And it's very hard to bring into manifestation a nothingness, right? That's not, sigils are, I said they're used for any goal, but they're not good <laughs> for negating things. You have to figure out what the positive uh, flip side of that is if that's something you want to do. So the opposite of that would be something like, I am free of nicotine. Right. Or I am healed of my addictions. Mm. Um, yeah. Something positive and something, something present. Something positive and something present. It always needs to be in the present. Uh, mm. That's a very important part because you only experience life in the present. You do not actually experience past and future. Um, and the subconscious doesn't see linear time so we can't we can't work in the the tomorrow that never comes we always have to work in the ever present now yeah um just quickly coming back to the spare method um i was actually asked this the other day and i i thought i knew the answer but i cannot find it anymore um with the spare method we eliminate all the vowels and then all the repeated consonants. Mm -hmm. Why do we eliminate the vowels? As far as I know, it was because Spare had some kind of connection with Kabbalah somewhere along the line, and she's decided to do it that way, but I cannot find the answer anymore. That's what I thought the answer was, too. Through Maybe it is, then. The idea that the vowels are mutable, and it is the consonant sounds that actually signify words to us, and that was inspired by, um, I don't know if I would call it a misunderstanding, but not necessarily a, a well understanding of Hebrew that had vowels mm. as uh, additional marks to signify the words, but often could be written without certain vowels, but and there are vowels in Hebrew. So yeah, um, just the, the basic, basic alphabet is only consonants. Yeah. Mm. Well, no, but um that is the Osman Osman spare method to eliminate old vowels and then eliminate any duplicate consonants and mm. i guess this is probably the first form of sigil creation that most people are taught i would say before mm. we get to you know alphabet wheels and kameas and and that sort of thing uh, which i think is actually a much older form of sigillic magic 
and what produced a lot of like the goetic seals and uh, those sorts of images. So you can you can create your own seals in that manner just using the Kameas. Or you can build your own um, Kamea key uh, using like a modern alphabet. So, so we could um, take our financial abundance and say, I have financial abundance, or I am financial abundance, or I am in financial abundance. I don't know how. Mm. I prefer something like I am in because then I am not the manifestation or the holder of it. I am existing within it. But I have means it's something I have to hold on and care for. A lot of people, I, I would actually go with I am financially abundant. And I wouldn't use that because that implies a past to me. Because it's past tense, but we can use abundant. It was abundant. That's the past participle. Mm, okay. Is it abundant? Is it past past tense? To be abundant would be present tense. That's just the way my brain sees it. Doesn't necessarily mm. mean that's the way everyone's brain sees it, you know. Okay, then I could use it. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> yep, and here's where it becomes very important to check the sigils. <laughs> 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 Even when somebody else makes it. <laughs> uh, Yolandi said, uh, this is the way I create mine. I was referring to the um removal of the consonants and vowels mm -hmm. uh what is a seal um a seal is a permanent sigil which represents a particular thing usually a spirit you got that right yeah we tend to use the word the seal for for old stuff that's in books from a long time ago and we tend to use the word sigil for things that we make nowadays and put on the internet um uh so <laughs> there there is overlap but usually they are representative of spirits Yolandi said i have financial abundance mm -hmm. yeah i like that one burke said i am a good steward and worthy recipient of money now there's a target um so that personally works on the self uh, which seal uh, sigil, blah, blah. sigilic magic is great to work on yourself and transform your own energy because you can put the sigils on you. <laughs> you have control over that. It's very easy to deploy them, whether you draw them on your body somehow or you eat them, um, you know, carve them into the top of a bread loaf and bake it and then eat it. Um, or, you know, you somehow put it into a drink and drink it that way. You put it in your shoes, you sew it into your clothes. So you have to think about how you're going to deploy it. Also, where you want to target it. So it's actually a good, especially with like something like financial abundance. I mean, mm -hmm. 
Um, you'll find a lot of people often talk about the pattern that we have, uh, the energy pattern, raised in a particular family, raised a particular way, and that pattern gets ingrained in us, and we tend to follow that pattern on through life. So in order to change that pattern, we need to change the vibration or change the energy that we push out. So mm -hmm. if you are doing sigilization on yourself, then it can actually change that vibration. Um, Andrew said, yes, please, financial abundance. So I have moved on to a small holding and help my friends, human and otherwise. Yeah, well, we'll make it come true. Um, Galilea, oh, like the Goetia seals. Yep. The Goetia seals, you can have a look through all the old grimoires, actually, and even in the other books within the Keys of Solomon, the Lesser and the Greater Keys. Um, if you look at the... On which book it is? It's in the Lesser Keys. I think it's the third book with the planetary seals. Um, they're actually called the pen Pentacles. Um, they're all over the place. And they're called pentacles because they go on a metal plate, which was called a pentacle. Mm. Um, not because they are five-pointed, um, which we now call pentacle. And those are different vowels, um, but they are a vowel shift that sounded the same back when uh, that was regularly done. And therefore created a connection between the idea of the symbol, the pentacle, being protective because pentacles were metal plates that could be used as shields and so yeah vowels matter sometimes <laughs> oops wrong thing um, there we go studio noir uh, best phrase for sigil to be in the right place at the right time mm. yeah mm. I, i've i've created sigils uh and put in my shoes uh, that are about being in the right place at the right time. Mm. I like that as a separate sigil that I can deploy on top of other stuff. So if I do work for financial abundance, I will bring in my right place, right time sigil uh, while doing that work. But if I do place, you know, um, do magic to uh, meet, you know, the ideal person to be my business partner for a project, I will bring in my right place right time sigil also on top of that so actually the right place right time aspects um can fall a lot under lunar um mondays and moon magic and things like that yeah there, there's a whole, whole thing about that getting the right mm. time and everything else and when when i make sigils so let's back up from even this i shoal sigils which means that you create a whole bunch of them all at once and then you put them away and forget what they are and then you deploy them but i show them according to astrological timing so i keep a list of everything i want to do magic for i want to make sig sigils for and they're just general statements like financial abundance better health so on and so forth right and then when it's time to do creation for say financial abundance i will pick out i will elect an astrological time that goes with all of the financial stuff i want to do probably a friday you know because it's venus and try to get it in a venus hour and that sort of stuff um 
and then I will do all of those and, and put them in the bowl. And then when it's time for love magic, I will do all of those and put them in a bowl, you know. And But then I mix them all up and charge them in one big pile. So you can add that layer to your sigil magic or not. It doesn't have to be, you know. But there's there's a lot of... A lot of points along this process of creation you can think about for what you want to do when and why and such like. <laughs> uh, I have clear skin like this. Yes, exactly like that. Mm -hmm. um, you're in the present sense. You have it. Yep. Um, yep. Andrew said, seals are fish-eating marine mammals. My <laughs> apology. I'm sillier than usual. That's okay. <laughs> like silly. Um, Galileus uh, said, uh, for example, I could use the words I am or I'm in the right place, right time. Yep. And if we're following yeah. this method, you're going to cross out the A anyways. So, mm. um, yeah. And the I. Although, I statements in sigils, I don't remove the I. <laughs> because... It is a um, component of the idea. Mm -hmm. So I do make that exception to the strict rules. So if we have, um, let's see, get this on the screen. I have, I will leave that I in there, even though I'm going to take out these other vowels. Just because it's kind of important that I'm still in the, Sigil. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but that's no. that's not the strict method. The strict method would take that out because it's a vowel. Yeah. The, the, one of the other reasons I actually take the vowels out is because if you, I mean, this is a very short sentence, but if you end up with something that's a bit longer, you, you, you've usually got all of the vowels in every single one you do. <laughs> it just repeats them over and over again in your sigils. Yeah. So... The other reason I take them out. I do take out um, also silent letters. So have, um, if you're in the U.S., you might pronounce that actually with an H noise. Uh, but if you're English or British, that's a silent letter. And so it's not, I don't keep it if it's uh, the way that you would say it. And it really depends on how you would say it where you are, um, whether yeah. we keep the letter or not. It's very regional. It's Something very I, regional. I say, I say I have. Mm -hmm. I don't come from a place where I say, I would say, I have. But I if, have financial abundance. But if you do, see that H isn't part of your statement. That's not, no. so, you know, it really depends. It really depends how you view that. And there's a lot of things. This whole process of sigil creation is like that. Um Things to consider, things to think about along the way, choices to make in your technique. So if we're following strict technique here, we're taking out duplicates. So there's a couple of extra N's and a C. So we end up with the letters I, H, V, F, N, C, L, B, D. So, hopefully everybody followed that. We take our statement, we make sure it's in the present, doesn't have any weird 
negative things, we really consider the impact of our statement, you know, how we want to think about the world. We take out our vowels, and then we take out any duplicate letters. And that's what we end up with. And then we make it pretty. <laughs> so let me... I got a list that... Um... The way that I charge schedules is, is I put my spit or I try to meditate with it or do deep breaths, but are there other methods? There are lots of there other methods. There are lots of other methods. Lots of yeah. methods. It, it really, you, I think what you, what you need to do is just find, is try to go through as many methods as you can, but find the ones that work for you because not all methods work for everybody. And find a few that work for you because there may be times, um, like I, we were saying earlier, I use meditation and breath. Um, I use my circle drawing method. I'll use sex magic. Um, those are my main three. Um, I might use drumming as well. Um, but I might go and create, do a sigil charging, and I sit down to do the meditation and breath um, for, uh, practice. And for some reason, I just cannot get into it. So I can switch to a different method, which I know works for me at that time. Um, it's probably the best way to go about it. Yeah, there are lots of methods, lots of methods. Yeah. Maybe you we... can dance. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we what should do a, another show on what on you trance. do with these sigils once you make it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's Dan, you can go for a walk, you can use death postures, you, there's just so many, so oh, many, yeah. so many. Yeah, exercise, pin them on the, the treadmill. <laughs> mm. uh, Craig said hello. Hello, Craig. How are you? Thank you for joining us. I'm a mank. Us. I'm a mank and definitely would say hello. Have. 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 Instead I'll... of have. Have. Oh, I've. Oh, all yeah. right then. All right, we're back. We're back to the the British, are we? Well, all right then. I mean, it it depends on your phrase. There's lots of different um, different ways we say things that don't always necessarily match to our language. And there's another thing: if English is not your first language, and you're much more comfortable in another language, use that language. Uh, mm. There's not. This does not have to be in English. This does not have to be done with a modern alphabet. You know. Use what's comfortable to you. What you're most familiar mm. with is where you're going to be the most successful with this method of language creation. Mm. Uh, Studio Noir asked, um, Noir, okay, now a philosophical question. Do you think that from a chaos magic perspective, sigil work has any limits or is it literally unlimited? I think it's literally unlimited. Yeah, because this method you have to be able to put it into a sentence but um there are other methods of sigillic magic that don't have that limitation yeah you can literally get on a stage and do a stage performance and make that into a sigil oh yeah i mean i've done uh dances i, I used to be a performer danced on stage and I would trace out sigils on the floor with my choreography, you know, as part of my process for the dances that I did. So th mm. there's, there's so many ways 
to employ them and deploy them and it's it's unlimited i i think i think yeah unfortunately i think a lot of the old chaos magic sites have disappeared and uh, which is real pity um phil hines old um i know well what it's called um but that's gone yeah um i actually went looking for a few older this or a few older sites that i used to follow and all gone now yeah. they have had some fantastic information on them yeah they say the internet is forever but it's not mm. so Galileo yeah. said can you tell me some methods uh, i know that i could sing to them yes you can sing as well uh ian just joined, so I don't know whether you address this, but what's the best way to frame your statement, for example, take an intent to attract something like friends? Um, yeah, we did cover it, but to give you a, in a nutshell, best way is to put it in the present tense, so you have it. Um, it's not something you want to have or you wish to have, because if you do that, you're just going to keep continue to wish the whole time. It's the tomorrow that never comes. So put it in the present tense. Um, and always put it in the positive. The subconscious doesn't recognize negatives, yeah. negative statements or anything like that. But like in that case, you would not say something like, I will not be lonely. You would say, yeah. I am surrounded by friends. Mm. Yeah. So. All right. So we've got our, our letter forms, and I did put them all as capitals which is um, the way it's usually done, but you don't have to. If you want to use lowercase in some places, you can. Um, especially with statements like this, sometimes I will keep the I as a capital because it's its own word and we always capitalize it as a pronoun. And so it signifies that target and then make the others lowercase. Do what you want, do what makes mm. sense, do what follows. Um, and then we start lining things up and matching things up. So there's my I, and then I might take my H and put it right there. And there's an F already, so I've got that to cross them out as I go. Um, I can put my N right there. Uh, there's an L already right here. And then I've got some curvy letters. Now, they don't have to continue facing the way that they were. Um, so I might put my D like this, or I guess that could be my C, and then my D, and put a B. You see yeah, put a B in there. And then we've got a V, which could be this, but I think I want to put it over here to kind of make a sort of. Uh, vertically symmetrical thing mm -hmm. so this is this is choice we could have done this in many other forms too right we could have put the h on this side and a v on that side well, the i and the i and the h can actually be the same yeah because we could turn the h sideways that's our f and then there's our d and c and l's already in there and then we just need a B, which we could put up here. <laughs> like boobs on the top. Yeah, I don't like that. 
<laughs> nope. Uh, <laughs> let's do this. Maybe. Maybe bring this in a little tighter like this. Curve, curve, curve. And this one, so that went there. And you just kind of redraw until you get something pleasing. That's the important thing. Something pleasing. Not, I find that the nice thing to do when you get to this stage where you start redrawing and stuff is remove the letters from your vision. Oh. And what, what you start yeah. doing is just creating these shapes which become completely abstract and do not relate back to what what your sentence originally was and so let's start becoming more subconscious. Remove that. Yeah, I'm usually working on another piece of paper by now. Mm. I don't know. How are you feeling about either one of those or no, those are terrible. Do something else. Since I'm the one with the pen over here. You can put the V at the top so it creates a, a hat. Like that? Or... Yeah. Well, you could do that as well. Creates antlers. Yeah, well... Uh, people's library. I just realized sigil magic is probably often used by people who work with marketing. Yep. Oh, yeah. Look at look at the McDonald's uh, Golden Arches. Uh, look at the Nike Swish. Um, they're all sigils. Yep. So, as you can see, it, it moves and it morphs. And then, of course, you can do um, a lot of the sigils that I see online, especially. They do, uh, like, calligraphy brush strokes so that you have heavier areas and lighter areas and... I don't know how to do that necessarily on my computer, but I can grab one of the sigils that's right here on my monitor. And see how there's thick and thin in the lines. It gives it some weight, gives it some artistic dimension. Make them look pretty. Yeah, make it look pretty. We're at the make it look pretty and pleasing stage. And I gotta say, I do not feel that this square is pleasing. I think that the circle on the outside would be better with the square inside. Yeah. I mean, you don't even have to include all the letters at this point. Nope. And you can add dots. I like dots. And the thing is, keep redrawing, keep going, um, keep moving around. Um, and at this point, you might want to take away some of your earlier ones, so you're not necessarily following them. 
because it's it's an evolution it's a process so i don't know do you like the the circle better on the outside or the inside yeah it's like better on the on the outside the square feels like it's it's too conformist it's yeah too... it's too confining yeah it blocks everything in of course that might just be our influence of doing uh Galdra stuff here <laughs> mm. it goes in a circle <laughs> but the, yeah the circle does feel better because it's a continuation of something constant flow that's mm -hmm. what we need with financial abundance is a mm -hmm. constant flow. I don't even like that that B in there. It's just too uh, I'd actually just get rid of it. I think it needs to go. That's very symmetrical. I don't always like symmetrical sigils. Um I don't know, maybe just half of it. Then there's a way in. Like that. Mm. It's a swish. It's a swish. I like a swish. Actually, let's have it go up, like a stock market chart going up. Mm -hmm. Let's have it go like that. And that looks more like a spiral. Bring that in. I like that better. You get into the golden ratio there, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe that's too many spirals. No, sure it was spiral. Doot, doot. And be bigger, bigger, and through the center. I like that. Do you like that? Mm. Mm. Yeah. This is where it's important not to show your work. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. I have financial abundance. Lovely. Continuation of the flow with the circle. We've got we've got a square which kind of gives us that containment. So we've got some order. And some stability. Good. Yeah, a bit of Saturnian energy as well. Mm -hmm. Um we have the the fort going up. Um should that sure go outside that the circle? So right. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. Ah! Don't do that. Yeah. That should go out. That should go out like that. Ooh, that should go out like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. We like our horns. Mm. And then you've got the spiral, which is bringing something in. That should go up And more. bringing it into a center. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's how we do that. And mm. it's play around with it. And we had all those previous iterations that we didn't necessarily um, like, but we kept moving through. So hopefully you can see the choices we made, like we moved the square inside the circle. That doesn't necessarily match our our strict beginning that had the eye and that sort of thing it doesn't have mm -hmm. to it can move on from that it's a process that the unconscious mind recognizes so you started off with a, a sentence with words but the unconscious mind recognizes images mm -hmm. 
So you start creating an image, but through that process from one to the next, to the next, to the next, the subconscious is following it and it knows what the sigil actually represents, the final sigil. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry if it completely and utterly moves away from the original drawing. Right. It becomes completely different. Yeah. And then once you've got your design, obviously this is kind of sketchy and rough. You know, you would take a nice, um, clean spot. There's got to be a way I can change the tip on this. Maybe not. I don't know. Aha. There we go. And then you do your final draft, kind of. And as you do your final draft, you can determine your drawing order so that you can use it in the process of creating your sigil. It might not be the same order that you started with where we were going in order of the letters in the sentence. It might be something entirely different, how you want to draw it, what you want to put down first. I put down the circle first because that was the the focus and the containment. And then I put the square in because that was a stability, you know. So think about those things as you go too. What order would you like to put the individual components that you've created? And how would you like them to manifest? Uh, because some forms of sigil creation, you need to trace over the sigil again and again and again. Um, but, you know, how you lay them down, whether you're going to carve them or burn them or draw them or what, is important in that process. Yeah. Um, Craig said the sigils in voodoo are called veva. An initiate is expected to be able to draw them. Some are very elaborate. They are um, very nice as well. I, would, I think we should call those seals, really. I mean, I know they're called sigils, but yeah. they are representative of the spirit themselves. Yeah. 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 Subtle distinctions in there, you know. Mm. Um, terminology, terminology. So, yeah. uh, shall we do another method with this same... Uh, state uh, idea. Let me, let, let me go through uh, comments over here first. Uh, uh, Deborah asked, "Who are the developers, for lack of a better word, of sigils?" Um, difficult to say. Sigil creation. I mean, we could say that the the first caveman who stood at the cave wall and put his hand on it was creating a sigil, or drew an image of the tribe killing an animal for food uh, a representation of that's what's going to happen could be a sigil mm -hmm. um, so cavemen i'd say humans um, uh, <laughs> human humans 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 um yeah. and just said can i glue glitter and stick on googly eyes with colorful pens please really i'm very fond of these yes you can want um people create the most amazing artworks with sigils you can do whatever you want to as long as it works for you yep yeah 
Although I would say that my idea of taking a sigil and putting googly eyes on it means it comes to life, and then you're into servitor creation. <laughs> so. <laughs> We're not going to go into that. <laughs> All right. So let's see. So another way to do this would be um, with a Kamea. So a Kamea is a magic square um, associated with each of the seven planets. And uh, I'll bring temperature for this one. Yeah. So first you want to pick the uh, planet that goes with the idea that you're talking about. And in this case, uh, the planet is Jupiter because we're talking about abundance. Let me get that on the screen. So here's our um, Kamea and Sigil for Jupiter. So the Kamea is the number square over here, and the Sigil is what is drawn out of that number square. And then this is the symbol for Jupiter. Oh, sorry, I can't get it up on your screen. Okay, so because... I, I know it's there. Okay, that's fine. Yep, it's there on the thing. So yeah. we will use the um, square, oh, that's too high, of numbers to draw our sigil on. Let me put it down here to my lovely, lovely square. I know I could use a ruler and do much better do much better drawings. So this has the numbers 1 through 16. So now we have to translate the uh, statement into numbers. And then we draw our symbol on top of it. So um, it's actually very interesting. I'm very curious to see what you do to make to see if it's the same as mine. <laughs> the easiest way to do this is to count and reduce. So we would take the entire alphabet, which is 26, right? And we would count to 16, and then we would start over with 1. So A is going to be 1. B is going to be 2. C is going to be 3. Oops, there's 1. D is going to be 4, E is going to be 5, 5, um, 6 is F, now i got to sing my A, B, a, B C, D, E, F, G, no G, <laughs> H, 8, uh, I, 9, J, 10, K, 12, and usually I might have to do this. I make a grid because this gets, holding it in your head gets to be a bit much, right? Do they all fit on the screen? They fit! They fit! <laughs> I use a Pythagorean table for this. Yeah, there are tables. three rows. There are tables for this, and I keep, in my actual sigil book, I keep um, tables, but I want to show you mm. how to create them. 
We'll see if Kai knows their alphabet. Right? Okay. So uh, we missed a 9 there. B is a 6. N is 14. 14. L is 12. Uh, U is 5. N, 14. 14. Okay. So now we have our sentence translated into numbers and then we just trace it on top of this thing of our square now some people will knock out the vowels first just like we did for the austin osmond spare technique um, it just depends on what you want to do and what this looks like i will usually use a piece of tracing paper to overlay on top of the actual kamea so that when i pull it away it's not on top of it uh, but obviously I'm not going to do that here because I'm just drawing on a single paper so that you can see the, the sigil on top of the Kamea. So we start with 9, we put a little circle there, then we draw to 8, then we draw to 1, then we go to 6, then we go to 5, then we go back to 6. Oh, stay. Now some people just trace over it. You can also do this little thing to show that you went back. Then we go back to 9. Then we go to 14. Then we go to 3. You see these long statements uh, get complex quickly. 1, 2, 5, 14, 1. No, that was supposed to be to 4. Four. Now one. Now one. Now fourteen. Now three. We've already done that connection. Now five. And then there's your beginning shape. Now you can leave that as is if you want. Uh, five was the end, so we'll put an end dot. Or you can take it off and simplify it, which is what most people do. So we've got a heavy line here and a heavy line there. We've got our dot and a connection. We've got a line down here and a line back there. This is our ending. Um, there's a lot of other stuff going on in there, but I might just leave it there. Um, since this is a return, I might create a scoop there so that we have a start and an end. You can simplify it. You cannot simplify it. Either one is fine. Especially a really long statement. I mean, how many characters do we have in here? It's a lot. You could also maybe just reduce this since Jupiter is already about abundance. And I have as implied, you might just reduce it to only the word financial. Or uh, even uh, simpler, you might just use the word money and trace money on Jupiter so that you would end up with financial abundance. Now that I erased my, my handy little template <laughs> to know what money looks like. Uh, so 
13 M O N 15 no 14 15 E is 5 and Y is going to be I don't remember shoot P Q R S T U B W X T U V I don't know my alphabet unless I sing it Q R S T U V W X Y 8 No that's X 9 Nine? Nine. Okay. I just wipe them out otherwise. Sketch paper is important. H-N-O-P-Q-R-S-T-U-B-W-X-Y-S-9. Okay, so we have our starting in 13. Then we go to, whoops. Go up to 14. 15 and then we go to 5 5 and then we go to 9 there's money on our Kamea so you can create sigils this way too and since we took this whole statement and you see how complex it works out at first we want to simplify it. We always want to simplify when we get to sigils. You want something you can draw. This original thing here is not something you can draw. This maybe. This definitely. Right? And then we might take this and again, we move away from what we were doing and we move into The obfuscation stage and we end up with something like that and then you could definitely put that within a circle if you wanted or within a square you know arrange it however you would like I keep looking up to this other monitor here so that's how you use Kameas um, so you can just look up the Kameas of the different planets what they are they are um, easy to find and you can do this with any language it doesn't have to be English you just use your alphabet and put it along and and go through it Deb asked okay humans but when who what group of people recognized that this way of making them for example it's impossible to say um, as I said we it's the human race. The human race created sigils. It, a sigil is a pictorial representation of an intent. So caveman drawing um, an image on the cave wall to represent the hunt that they're about to go and have to make it successful as a sigil or sigil magic. The modern creation of sigil magic um, within chaos magic is usually ascribed to um, Austin Osmond Spear. Oops, I forgot an end. My national, my national abundance. Great spelling here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who brought this info to humans? Humans. 
humans. Humans have been doing this for a long time. So, um, mm -hmm. along the, the caveman lines, we have the um, representative or the emoji version of sigil creation, which works like wonderfully. You wouldn't think it would, but it, it's amazing. So, you take each word and you draw an image, a simple symbol, simple symbol, that goes along with the idea of each word. So in this case, I, I always use I, because it's a circle in the self. Have means I will put whatever follows that in there. So it goes inside. Financial, that means financial to me, because I'm in the US. It, you know, there might be a better symbol, depending on where you are. And abundance. Um, I like the circles. leaves for abundance. I like um, overflowing water for abundance. And I like the sigil of Jupiter for abundance. So I would put those together. So we're going to put I around whatever this is. So I think I'm going to combine my dollar sign with my vertical and my Jupiter. There's my symbol for I have financial abundance. And you can, you know, modify this just like we did with others, put different things together, that sort of thing. I might extend this down here so that it has a way out because I like the idea of the overflow. So I don't, I want it contained, but I want it to overflow also because of the abundance. And there's my sigil. Good message all right now. This one is, is really simple and intuitive. And it's really nice for those great, big, huge, long statements because you simplify very, very quickly. Mm. All right. So... There's actually a method I started using recently. Um, it was something I um, sort of developed from someone else on YouTube. You take your letters and you split them up into uh, lines. So like an A, oh, yeah. H. An H has two vertical, sorry. Yes, two vertical and one horizontal line. And then what I was doing, I was creating an eight spoke. And around the four, first four spokes, I was going, taking a line and putting it on and then putting the next line on the next spoke, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. And then repeating those onto the other mirrors, the, the mirrored spokes. Yeah. I've used that, quite nice. that breakup method. And like, uh, I like those for single word ones. They seem mm. to, to flow better, but you break yeah. up. Yeah, you, you write your capitals and then you break them up like this and put them back together. But you're mm. talking about turning it into like Goldra Strafir. Instead of rules an example or something. Actually, I might have one in my book here. Yeah. <sighs> 
Yeah. I don't know if we can see it on the screen. Yeah. Can we see it? In a N C I. Um, we do not ever asked, yes, but how did did materialize that humans knew of this? Because humans are intelligent beings. They create things, they are creative, they are imaginative. Therefore, they created a method to represent their intent, their consciousness, to bring it into material existence. Yep, so there's that method mm. that we just talked about. I started here because it's the, the gate in my compass and then just went around that way putting the lines on the central stave. Um, so this kind of looks like Galdras stuff here and is a very interesting way to generate them. And I will add that when working with Galdras stuff here, I really, really, really uh, prefer to put a circle in the center and then use that as the focal point. Like if you're gonna put a candle on it or if you're gonna charge a talisman or um, if you're working on yourself, in this case, I, I this is this is you in here, and so you want to put your tag lock in there, your hair, your spit, uh, your fingernail clippings, uh, your personal puppet, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, I think that really helps focus things when doing this kind of radial magic. Put yourself in the center of the compass. And sometimes I've done magic where literally I draw this thing on the ground. And then I sit in the middle and do my energy work and my breathing to activate the sigil and get it to apply to me. Um, but I've also done it, you know, on a little piece of paper, put some of my spit in the middle and activate it in that manner. So. It was actually a nice, um, I spoke about it on the channel before. Um, it was in, I think it was Connolly's book. Um, no, it wasn't. Sorry, it was a Chaos Magic book by Jack Hawkins. Uh, possession sigils, where you actually create the sigil on a big piece of paper, and you imagine you put it on the floor and imagine a column of energy mm. um, shooting up from this thing, and then you actually step into it and you let that energy possess you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done done one of those. Yeah, when you were saying sit in the middle of it, reminded me of that. So Deborah says, I guess I'm just saying, where did this all come to human knowledge? It had to have a beginning. It is so old that it is in the creationness and the cosmology of most cultures. Mm. It is so old that the legends and myths that we are telling are about old things passed out of memory from humans before us. It is such an in, um, intuitive human activity to draw representative pictures and to use that interface between speaking something into being and manifesting something and magic that every single culture does it and did it before there was oral history to talk about. So if we're going to talk about heathenry, then we got the runes from Odin's sacrifice on Yggdrasil. But 
by the time that legend and myth came about, people were already doing it. You know, so if we go into a different culture, uh, there will be a spot where uh, there is a different myth and, and source. It's usually connected to when we get writing, especially when we're talking about these kind of sigils, they're, they're heavily connected to writing. We are using our language and our abstract character creation that uh, traps speech, the logos, the creation of life itself, the breath of life into a physical form and still communicates it as a kind of speech idea, right? And then we take that and we manipulate it and we change it and we obfuscate it in order to produce a sigil that emanates the manifestation of that speaking into being. It's so, it's so base fundamental to just being a magical human that it's, we figured it out eons ago. I mean, it's just looking at the runes, you can also look at the, the Hebrew language. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's ancient and originally from its Arabic form, um, it was a divine language. It wasn't even spoken. Oh yeah. And each letter has a angelic force, Magadim, um, attached to it. And if you look into Hebrew tradition, you've got talismans and amulets, which are formed from the letters that have incredible power. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Every culture has it somewhere. I'm going to put the Kameas of the Seven Magic Squares into our Discord real quick. Um, but that reminded me, I mean, another way we can we can create sigils is to use the, the different um, magical alphabets. I mean, how many crazy mm -hmm. magical alphabets are there? Oh my word, yeah. so many, so many. So, um, and then there's always bind runes. Uh, we said we were going to do a different show on that, but. Yeah, I think we should, because that, I mean, runes and bind runes, and we've got to get into cosmology and things like that. So. Yeah, very quickly. I think that should be a separate show. Excuse my creaky chair. But, uh, people's library said true. It's always in many, many different myths. Odin and Hivati uh, come to mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Craig said we as humans created them with the use of our consciousness. Um, Andrew said this looks just how I remember. Thank you. Okay. So let's see. We've done commands. We've done the alphabet. Um, Using another alphabet is um, just the same method. You may want to cipher it first, which just means you would translate letter to letter. I equals this symbol, H equals this symbol, so on and so forth. And you don't translate um, the language. But if it's a language, you might want to translate it into the other language first, you know. If you're going to write it in Hebrew, maybe you should say it in Hebrew. Um, if you're going to write it in runes, you should probably use the younger Futhark and, and say it in um, one of the languages that used the younger Futhark, and so on and so forth. Um, but ciphers are very common too. 
especially when we're talking about magical alphabets like this. Um, these are not necessarily all correct ciphers, uh, but a lot of them are listed as ciphers. And here we see like Hebrew and Greek and Futhark, Elam, Pictish, Theban, so on and so forth, organized according to the modern Roman alphabet and listed as ciphers. And so that's a way a lot of people will create sigils um, to get those forms for the original letters. And it might be the whole sentence. It might be after we go through and take out the vowels kind of thing. It, it depends on what you're doing. It depends on what your goal is. Um, and it depends on lots of, lots of bits, lots of bits. Got the, I also got the names of all the alphabets. Yeah, I will put that image in our uh, discussion also on the Discord server. Mm -hmm. I, um, I am not a fan of the just uh, cipher it method uh, because I think that treats too many. Um, alphabets as commodities when these are the alphabets are, are magical in and of themselves writing is magical in and of itself that's why sigillic creation in the osmond sphere method works and um if you try to divorce that from its parent culture and you take it out of context it doesn't work as well and it's bordering on cultural appropriation just taking bits and pieces um, and doing whatever you want. Of course, you're probably not turning around and selling it and telling people they can't use their own language. But, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable for me to just pull that stuff out of context. Um, but there are definitely um, alphabets and um, ciphers and cipher wheels that are specifically made for sigil creation. That's what they're for. And so, like this one, is from Revdis, and this is his um, Vegvisor cipher wheel. And it has all the runes around the outside, and then the layers of the ciphers that they translate to in order to create a symbol, very much like the first half of the Vegvisor. And so, this is a cipher wheel. You literally take one and substitute it for the other. Now, in this case, you start with the Elder Futhark, and then you cipher that. But there are plenty of wheels like this that are used very frequently for creating um, sigils. And I'm not sure I have an image of one because I don't use it very often, but there is one that I see commonly for the modern Roman alphabet. Um, See if I can find it on the web quickly. There it is. And they have it called the Witch's Sigil Wheel. Actually, that's not the wheel that I use. I put the vowels in the center. Um, but we'll pull this up over here. Everyone can see it. That as a kind of um, sigil. And for here, they have just laid out the letters and then dropped down to the next 
circle. I put the vowels in the middle because it's five and I put the five vowels in there and then the rest go around in order. Um, but I go uh, the other way because <laughs> I put my starting line that's a vertical line here. I put it over here on the side just like an astrological chart and then I go down and around like an astrological chart because that's my... I put the the horizontal line over here on the left. My, I thought my pointer was on the screen. It's not. Oh. And then go down and around. That's so. a bit of a modern modern um, adaptation of the Ceratic wheel. Yep, yep. So that's a possibility too. Uh, but I don't think I have one of those. It's digital that we can look at at the moment. But it's really easy to draw. You just make yourself through wheels and then start dividing. You need five in the middle. They don't have to be perfect. That's not five, is it? That's five. <laughs> and you go around and you make your divisions and you put in your letters. So on and so forth. And then just like we did with the Kameas, when it's time to uh, draw your actual word, you have your your word over here. And you you start and then you go to each letter. B would be like here. And then E and so on and so forth until you get your sigil. Then you bring it over here to the side and you have your shape, whatever that is. as your sigil. Same method as the Kamea, you're just using a different base. Because the Yeratic wheel I used to create sigils for um, elementals and servitors. Bit difficult to do with a wolf sentence though, I must say. Yeah, these whole sentences, um, they get big quickly. No. Um, because the Yetzirah, we all—I mean, that's that's the Here's... well, it is it is the Hebrew alphabet yeah. on it, but it it's assigned to the elements, uh, planets, and zodiac. Right. So you pull in those energies itself into the servitor, um, but you know, to do a will sentence, you could, I could have changed it to the Hebrew letters. Yeah, say it in Hebrew. Um, it'll get shorter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, much shorter. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, those are all options. They're the same method. Um, again, you can remove vowels if you want to remove vowels. You can simplify. Um, you might decide that you don't need I have as part of the statement. You're going to represent that by putting the final thing in a circle. So you can reduce it that way. There's lots of options here, lots of different ways to to manipulate this and do this and create a a pleasing design at the end. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's one last one that uh, nobody really talks about very often, except occasionally I see it when discussing hypersigils, and that is just draw a symbolic picture like your planned Pictionary. Okay, and then simplify it. So if we're playing Pictionary and I want to say I have financial abundance, I might draw me, yay me, in a really big house because that's my representation 
with money everywhere. Right? And then we just take that and simplify and reduce. Just like we did with the other ones. So I've still got my house uh, kind of idea here. I might leave out the floor. I might make that circle big. There's my arms and legs. And then I've got that dollar symbol right there in the center. So if you're really artistic, you can get incredibly creative. Right, right. The more time you spend with this in the process of creation, the more you're going to get back out of it. Um, mm. Definitely. And again, you want to work from iteration to iteration. So here's my original. But then once I go through something, I want to, again, work into a new iteration without looking at the original. And I look at this and while I like that circle and I like this, this serpentine line, but I think I should echo it the other way because then I get infinity. You know, and that goes with financial abundance very well. Then I have my myself or my Isa, and I've got those arms that have become the witch's foot and the six-pointed star. And then I've got this like carrot symbol in here that I really like because it talks about increasing. And so I would do that. You know, so it's just moving, moving through those stages, um, following that intuition and a big language of symbolism helps to do these symbol forms or the like emoji forms and a big understanding of um, the planetary energies helps to do the Kamea forms and so on and so forth. You know, if you have something to bring to bear on it that will help you, do so. It'll be useful. Yep. All right. Um, trying to think if there's any other ones that we haven't covered. There's lots. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> there's lots. There's lots. We didn't cover making Galdra stuff here, and we didn't cover bind runes, which are two of the. We'll cover them in the future. Two of the big ways that I work. Um, mm. So we'll have to go over those in the future. But we are quickly coming up on our two hours here because mm. we can talk and talk and talk and talk. <laughs> All right. So we're going to bring today to an end. If you've got any questions and you haven't asked them and you think about them later, you can drop them in the comments or go and join us on our Wildwood Temple community on uh, Discord or Facebook group. You can ask us there. And uh, if you want to go check out our twice monthly uh, reviews of TV series and movies, then go and sign up for our Patreon or Ko-fi. And uh, next week, we are doing a rather interesting show, Sex and Death. Sex and it's Death. <laughs> Sex and Death. Sex and Death. <laughs> yeah. Like cake or death. Ah! Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Big and Uh-oh. <laughs> I pressed the wrong button. I'm sorry, folks. All right. There we're back. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh.
All right, so we will see you next week. Uh, as I say, if you have any questions, just let us know and we will address them and uh, talk about them in, the, in future lives, I suppose, as well. Yep. Thank you all for being here. This was a great chat. I love it all was. the questions and the discussion and so many ideas and things to research and think about. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I really, mm -hmm. really love this community that we have around us and we all get to share all of our ideas and bounce ideas off one another and come up with all this cool stuff. Yep. It's fantastic. Okay. Have a good one, everybody. I think everybody's gone to sleep, actually. <laughs> oh, look. Somebody there. It's That's long. Screen. It's That's a long energy. show. Thank you, guys. Long uh, show. Sometimes you stick to an hour and a half. You know. Yeah. You try to stop at two hours, otherwise everybody starts going to sleep. <laughs> Thank you, Studio Studio Noir. Thank you. And hopefully we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today in the Black Hat Chat. Have a look in the description of this podcast or in the About section for all of our links and tune in next week for another exciting chat. <laughs>